Hello and welcome to the Treasures Within podcast. I'm your host, Georgia G, multi-passionate success coach and healer for purpose-driven female entrepreneurs. If you're ready to get out of your own way so you can build a wildly profitable business from your passions, this show is for you. Tune in every Tuesday for inspiring interviews and mindset tools to heal self-sabotage so you can double your income, reach those big business goals that have eluded you up until now, and create a life of freedom and abundance on your own terms. My guest today is Carly Petrovic. When the other kids dreamed of becoming teachers and astronauts, Carly wanted to be a witch. She waited for years, binging on practical magic and hoping her powers would come. One day, with the help of a highly intuitive mentor who could see her more clearly than she saw herself, Carly realized a profound truth. Those magic powers were within her all along. Today, she is the one-woman team behind Capo Sugar, an agency working to help other people access their creative superpowers, and the writer behind the Yes Mystrix newsletter. She's also fully Aquarian, Sun and Moon, with a sexy splash of Scorpio rising. Carly sometimes dreams in premonitions and is always choosing coffee over water. She lives in Austin, Texas with a muggle husband and three goofy hounds, one of whom will definitely be a human in his next life. In this interview, Carly shares how creative energy is incredibly connected to sexual energy and how being in touch with your sexuality can help succeed in life and business, how to find your creative superpowers, listen to your intuition and a lot more. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Carly. Such a pleasure to have you here. We have so much to talk about, but before that, can you share with our listeners who you are, what you do, and that you came to do all that you do. Thank you, Georgia. It's such a pleasure to be here. So thank you for the invite. So yes, I am Carly Petrovic. I'm a writer by trade. I've spent the last decade plus of my career freelance writing, pretty much writing for various clients. And I also do tarot and energy work kind of on the side. But my main new project is a newsletter called Yes Mistrixed, and it's all about female, for the most part female, but we kind of cover everything, sexual, sexuality, sensuality, sex and desire. And through that newsletter, I've kind of tried to put forth a lot of ideas about what's going on in the world, how I grew up without a lot of positive role models and my kind of sexual awakening. And now being seven and a half months pregnant with a daughter, this felt like a really important time for me to focus on talking about these topics, ones that felt very taboo when I was growing up and just wanting my daughter to have a better kind of relationship with her body and her sexuality and, and knowing that those things are okay. So that's kind of a, a little taster of <laughs> the things I've been dabbling in 
for a while now, but yeah, I kind of use all of these things to bring the newsletter together, both the, the understanding of energy, the writing background. So that's kind of where I'm at at this point. I love that. And congratulations on your daughter. That's amazing. It's great that you are doing this work and making sure that she has a positive view of sexuality because so many women don't have that. I remember meeting a few years ago a coach in London that was talking about how when women have the sex life they want, they are satisfied and they have a positive relationship with sexuality. Then it spills into every other area of their life and they are more creative, they have better relationships, they have more successful businesses. And I remember thinking at the time, you are nuts. <laughs> how, is, how is this linked to success, happiness? But... I was curious enough to coach with her and she was absolutely right. And you believe that sexuality is linked to creative energy. So can you talk more about that? I am totally with you about kind of when these concepts first came to me as well. I ended up working with Kim Anami. She had a wide range of courses, one of which is called Vaginal Kung Fu. And it's all about <laughs> how when you listen to your vagina, all these things happen, right? You get better at business, you get better at life these types of things. And it does seem a little bit crazy at first. It did to me too. And more than anything, it felt a little uncomfortable to be listening to my pussy or whatever, you know, and um, I just love the awareness that she has of that and the way she kind of puts forth some of that content. But what I really understand from the energetic perspective is that when we start to think of creative energy as the energy of creation, we start to understand how sexuality and sex is really intertwined with these, these energies. So from the yogic perspective, if you're aware of the chakra system, right, we have seven chakras, seven main chakras throughout the body. The second chakra being around the sacrum, and basically it kind of aligns with the sexual organs. But that's the chakra of joy. It's the chakra of massive creativity. So when you can kind of tap into that chakra by tapping into your genitals, right, you're allowing all this energy to be put forth toward creation. And so for women, right, or people with uteruses, that means you can go one of two ways, basically. You can create babies or you can create projects that you put out into the world. And that the same for people who identify as men or who have penises, right? Like when they're tapping into that energy, now they're helping to either create life or create projects and using that same kind of channel for creativity. So that's kind of where the energetics align, but it, it's kind of complex from the yogic perspective say. Um, a lot of what is talked about when you talk about the yoga of sex is that women really need to orgasm. They need that energy because naturally we don't just cultivate <laughs> all of that energy all the time, the way men or people with male genitalia tend to, right? For them, when they kind of get rid of their seed, when they come, right? That's and they're getting rid of the energy as opposed to storing it within them. When women come, we kind of try to circulate the energy within us, which helps to kind of continue that creative energy, continue to build that energy that we use as life force. For someone who is skeptical, oh, this sounds intriguing, but 
I have no idea how to even proceed and do all of these things because as women, we are often told that our sexuality is wrong. And mm -hmm. so how can we start bringing more sexuality in our life and start to orgasm more so that we can express our full creativity and be full whole beings? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think for a lot of people, like just going straight to sex and sexuality can sometimes be intimidating, especially if you grew up in a household or in a community where sex was really downplayed or seen as shameful or evil or kind of just looked down upon. So in those instances, it makes so much sense to focus instead on pleasure. So what brings you pleasure, right? Because if you can find things outside of yourself that bring you pleasure, then you can start to kind of move back inward and find the kind of sensations and the things within yourself that bring you pleasure. So kind of having that focus on, okay, well, there's a lot of different types of pleasure, right? Some flowers are like beautiful and pleasurable to look at, right? a gorgeous sunset, really good food, things that bring you pleasure, like having a glass of wine and a bubble bath or whatever it is, right? These are all starting points. And then as you kind of move toward taking that energy of pleasure outside yourself and moving it inward, I think it always helps to kind of appreciate your body in the dark first. So even if that's just laying in the dark and feeling your stomach or feeling your breasts or feeling your body in some way. And it doesn't even have to be sexual right away, right? It doesn't mean you have to go straight to masturbating. But I find that in the dark, just allowing yourself to feel your body starts to be more pleasurable because we're not looking in the mirror. We're not kind of, oh, do my, my thighs look too big <laughs> right now? You know, all those things that go through our head when we're kind of doing a sexual act with a partner or kind of just observing ourselves in the mirror. So starting from the outside pleasure, moving to that understanding of just your body is beautiful without having to kind of look or nitpick. And then from there, going even more inward, because once you find how you can touch your body in a way that makes you feel good, things just move exponentially from there. Then maybe you integrate toys or a partner or something. But I think the easiest way to start is just you figuring yourself out from the outside in. That's great advice. And I still relate to that growing up Catholic, there was a lot of emphasis of pleasure, being bad, being shameful. And of course, we live in a hustle culture, which is all about doing, 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 being more focused on getting results, actually being in the moment and feeling pleasure. And sometimes you forget that just stopping and smelling the flowers or taking a bubble bath, these small things that can really enhance your quality of life and they can reignite your creativity as well so I love how you are making it so simple and as a good and that can be a getaway to much deeper work as well absolutely and as a coach right you know that a lot of the work of kind of going inward is also examining the stories that we've told ourselves for a really long time and I relate I also grew up Catholic and so a lot of these stories around shame of sex or like women not being too sexual 
or if they are, that's kind of a bad thing <laughs> or, or, you know, like just a recipe to get stoned in the Bible or something horrible, right? Yeah. It's going back and kind of examining like, why do I feel this way about my sexual life? Why do I feel like if I wear a short skirt or something that's a little bit revealing, that might have to have something to say about who I am as a person or my value as a woman, right? And so we have to go backwards, right? And then we have to go really deep in and say like, okay, well, I don't think that story even belonged to me, right? It was something I took on or something that was told to me. And do I really still believe that? Do I, like in 2023, am I still trying to live out that narrative? And usually the answer is probably no. There is so much power in just questioning the things that we are taught to believe or the when you are young, you just absorb them, they become your truth without you actually questioning, is that really the truth? Can you share a story either from your own life or from a client's life that when they stopped believing in a particular limiting belief or when they reframe that, that the positive impact on their life and business as well? Yeah, I'll, I'll use one from my own life. So... Growing up, I had one of those dads that is like very protective, right? And so I was 13 years old, one of my first boyfriends, and he just really didn't like this young, <laughs> young boy, right? He thought that he was just too into sex and like was trying to have sex with me and I was too young and whatever. So he made me break up with him. <laughs> <laughs> and so while I understand this inclination, right, for fathers of daughters to want to be protective, and it's often in this, this thing that's like, oh, well, I know how boys are, and I don't want boys are like me, which I think says so much about our culture, right? That's so it, it's really not on teenage girls to police teenage boys. It's on the parents of teenage boys to make sure that they're being respectful. And that goes for everyone, right? But through that experience, what I've really come to believe, though, is that for the most part with our teenage kids, right, who are just at this point where they're feeling so much sexual energy that they don't know what to do with, right? And I, I think of it, too, as that's the point in your life where you're kind of testing your sexual power, right? You flirt a little bit more, you allow a little bit more sexual innuendo to come into your conversation because you're just trying to figure out your sexuality. You're trying to push the boundaries and then see what, what this is really all about. But in, in being in that time as a teenager, we sometimes have these adults who want to step in and kind of block things and protect things. And while that's a natural inclination, I think it's sometimes harmful in that my dad, for example, he had, he had some creepy friends or there are members of the family who are much more harmful than a teenage boy with, with a teenage girl, right? And so we don't be less respectful to our teenage daughters. So it's kind of this thing within the culture. I hear this like, oh, my daughter's not going to date in station with my brother about his inappropriate comments at Thanksgiving. So it's like we have this, this real kind of difference in opinion. And so that was one of those beliefs too, for me, 
personally, I actually don't need to be protected. I don't need somebody else to police my sexuality. I'm actually in charge of my own body. And down the line, right, I've kind of, I've had experiences where I've been violated or I've let somebody else kind of take advantage of my body and I didn't necessarily feel empowered to speak up. And not that that's anyone's fault. It's not my dad's fault. It's not the circumstances fault. But I think we set up this situation where it's like, oh, someone else will protect me. I don't have the power to protect myself. So that's something to kind of overcome and realize, oh, I have a very strong voice, actually. I have a very, very strong boundaries around what I want and desire sexually and what is okay and what is not okay. But that was definitely a limiting belief that led to some actions that didn't serve me for a long time. So does that answer your question? It does. And thank you for sharing. I'm sorry you asked some of the experiences happening to you. And it's great you can now use your voice and use that to empower yourself and empower other women as well. We have all these limiting beliefs and stereotypes about men only wanting one thing and women need to be protected. But I found when I embarked on my own sexual exploration journey that your best protection is really listening to your intuition. Because I've been times on dates where I just felt something was off. And there was nothing that my brain could perceive, no logical reason, right? Why I would feel that something is off. And in the past, I would have simply shaken that off and just, okay, like, there's no reason here that something should be off. Give this person a chance. And the situation usually just always end up even maybe not necessarily something dangerous but in unpleasant experiences whereas when yeah. I listen to that and just leave then I know there is something better waiting for me and I don't put myself in situations where it doesn't have to be dangerous but when some boundaries are violated and I know that you talk a lot about listening to your intuition so can you talk more about that and give him some tips on how they can listen to their own inner voice so they can make the right choices. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And I, I agree with you. I think that the intuition and listening to your intuition is the best way to kind of determine this is for me, this is not for me. And sometimes I see it most in women, but this is for all people, right? If something isn't actively wrong, we're like, well, but you don't actually have to be with anyone just <laughs> regardless of whether something is actually wrong. Like someone doesn't have to be a monster for you to be like, I just am not attracted to you. It's okay to say that, right? Um, But when it comes to intuition, it's funny. So intuition comes from your second chakra as well. So it's all kind of connected. And one of the things that people think is, oh, your your intuition comes from your third eye, so your sixth chakra. But actually, over which your intuitive inclinations are projected. So if you're really visual, your intuition is very visual. Say like if you're looking at something and you're trying to decide between two different options, 
and you notice that one's kind of glowing. So that would mean that you're kind of highly visual. Then in your mind's eye, right? So in your third eye, you would see that glowing. If you're very kind of auditory, if you're trying to make that same decision between the two choices, in your mind's eye, you would hear the one on the left or the cookie over the brownie or whatever it is. So that intuition is coming from your second chakra, but it's playing out in your sixth chakra. So knowing that this is really kind of a lower body experience, sometimes it helps to draw your attention to your belly, your low belly. You can draw your attention to your genitals too, because that area is also covered by the second chakra, as we mentioned. But drawing your attention downward allows you to kind of not only get out of your head, to kind of hear fewer thoughts and more of the intuitive kind of things that are coming through the intuitive messages. But drawing that attention downward kind of takes you to the place where intuition lives. So one of the the ideas is to kind of sit in the lower half of your body. So draw your attention downward. One of the other tips that I like to do is treat my intuition like a friend. So that means kind of testing your intuition, going with whatever feels right, and then kind of experimenting with that. So sometimes we get a feeling like, oh, I shouldn't go to this cafe today, even though I love this cafe, I should go to a different one. And so instead of going to where your intuition was telling you, this is a better choice today. And when you get there, the person in front of you ends up buying your coffee. And so that is like, hey, thanks intuition. That was great. And I like to say that usually out loud if I'm alone, but if I'm still in the cafe, I enforcement of treating your intuition like a friend. Now, if I had gone to the second, the first cafe, the cafe that my intuition was like, eh, maybe don't go to this cafe today. And when I got there, the cafe was actually closed. So I had to go to a different one anyway. And in that case, I would say, sorry, listen. And the idea behind this is really that your intuition is trying to tell you things all day long, all the time. And so if you're constantly not listening or going actively against it, then this friend that is trying to give you good advice all the time is not going to give you good advice anymore. Not that it's not going to give you good advice, but it's going to stop giving you advice, basically. You're going to stop hearing it or stop kind of seeing the messages as they come through. So by cultivating a literal relationship with your intuition, you allow that intuition not only to give you more messages that you can hear, but you also have this ability to kind of intuit just better over time. But it takes a little bit of trust to get there, kind of following those things, regardless of what you're thinking. But if we do listen to the thoughts instead, the best thing we can do is just kind of apologize to our intuition and try again next time. Hey, Georgia here. I want to take a quick moment to tell you something. A few years ago, I was stuck in what I call strategy hell. I was literally doing everything to grow my business. I was on all the social media platforms, doing webinars, going to networking events, writing blog posts, sending out newsletters, you name it, I did it. And my business was growing at a snail's pace. It was so frustrating because I couldn't have worked any harder. I was already overwhelmed and burned out. 
Do you ever feel like that? It wasn't until a random encounter with a coach that I realized being in strategy hell is a form of self-sabotage. You think you're doing everything to grow your business. In reality, you're stuck in busy work because you're afraid of what might happen if you went all in or reached your goals. In my case, I had a massive fear that if I became more successful than my family, my friends, and my partner, they wouldn't love me anymore and they leave me. This fear was buried so deep in my subconscious that I wasn't aware of it until I had a powerful session with my coach. And yet, the fear was running my business and making sure I'd never reached my goal. It was only once I healed the fear that I was able to double my income in a few short months. And my loved one didn't leave me. If you two are working hard, trying all these strategies to go to the next level in your business, you don't need one more strategy. You already have all the strategies you need. If nothing is working, it's because there's a limiting belief that's sabotaging all your efforts. Maybe like me, you're afraid that if you are too successful, you won't fit in with your friends and family anymore and you lose them. Maybe you don't think you are good enough at what you do and they're afraid that if you put yourself out there in a big way, you'll be exposed as a fraud. Or maybe, deep down, you don't believe you're worthy of money and success. Whatever it is, trying to grow a business with these limiting beliefs running in your subconscious is like driving a car with a brake on. No matter how hard you try, you are going to stay stuck where you are. If you want to go to the next level in your business and reach those big income and business goals that have eluded you up until now, you must first heal all those limiting beliefs and all stories that are sabotaging you. Once those self-imposed limitations melt away, you'll be able to step out of strategy hell and confidently take action towards your goals. Those tasks that used to feel hard or scary, like going live on Instagram, doing sales calls, or being a regular guest on podcasts, will now feel easy and fun and you'll be able to reach your goals with ease. If you know, deep down, that healing those limiting beliefs and all stories is the missing piece in getting the results and money you want in your business and you are ready to drop the hustle and step into your six figures mindset, I invite you to book a discovery call with me. On the call, you get coaching on the number one limiting belief, the sabotaging your success and keeping you from reaching your next income level. And if we both feel it's a fit, you'll discover how we can work together to heal the limiting beliefs that are sabotaging you, so you can finally build a wildly profitable business from your passions and enjoy financial allocation and time freedom. Remember, the world needs all of your treasures. It's your time to get out of your own way so you can do the work you are meant to do in the world and live a life of freedom on your own terms. These one-on-one calls are limited, so if you are ready to finally make your vision board become your reality, click on the link in the show notes and book in today. 
Thank you for sharing that. I love the idea of treating my intuition. I trust your friend. The next step is actually to speak up. And it's not necessarily always worrying about danger. Sometimes it's just worrying about this person is not for me. This idea is not for me. And I find that for us women, it can be to just speak up. At least for me, I was conditioned as a child. I was raised to be understanding and tolerating and just go along with whatever the other person wanted. So do you have any advice on how women can find the courage and the strength to use their own voice and ask for what they want or say what they don't want? Yeah, that's a, a great question because coming from what sounds like a similar background, right? This idea that we should always be accommodating. Before I met my husband, I was one of those people who would go on like a thousand dates with someone I didn't even like because I didn't know how to get out of it. And I've been there. It's, it's a waste of time for me. It's a waste of time for a person who could be perfectly beautiful for someone else. And it was just like this endless drag of dates that I was just trying, like just hoping that someone else would stop <laughs> so we could stop this madness, right? Years later, it's like, gosh, that was so silly, right? All it would have taken was some radical honesty. For me, the turning point was that I went on this one day and the guy was just like overbearing to start. And he hugged me right away, which I, I'm not into. And then he sat on the same side of the table. <laughs> I think something in my mind was just like, enough is enough. <laughs> so like the next day I texted him and I was like, look, I think you're wonderful. Like the stories you told were very funny, even though they weren't, I was being nice. I'm still in that habit of being way too nice, but I didn't want to hurt, want to hurt anyone's feelings. But I was just like, I think this is not right for me. You're a wonderful person. I Best of luck, but this is not good. So I think that one of the lessons there, right, is that radical honesty and being so direct takes a lot of practice. So it's helpful to start in some pretty low key situations. It starts with when your friend asks for a, an opinion, just giving the actual opinion, right? And we can always say things kindly, but sometimes the things that we say kindly aren't necessarily nice. So it's this idea of always saying the truth as kindly as possible. And having that practice, I think is really helpful. Just starting with the people in your life who like the people in your life who are always going to love you, right? They're always going to care for you. And so you may have had your disagreements, but you feel safe being open and honest with this person. And I think that's the best way to kind of then translate it into more what feel like more high stakes situations and being able to just say this, this really isn't for me. That's that's a really good point. We, we worry so much about not hurting the other person that we forget that when we put out with something that it's not for us, the other person is not meant for us as well. So we are doing a favor to both of us, to everyone, just by being honest and being free to pursue what is ours and giving them the freedom to pursue what is theirs as well. And I could talk to this about all day long, but I also want to highlight your other work because I know that you also do a 
lot of works with creatives. So can you talk more about how you work with creatives and how they can use their intuition to to do the work they are meant to do? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a wonderful part. Working with creatives is the best because naturally they're in tune with their feelings. They're in tune with the things that are beautiful to them. So we we get to kind of work from this space of already being pretty filled with energy. And mainly what I help creatives do is kind of find the things that they really want to focus on and notice the ways in which their energy matches that. So when you're talking about a project, for example, that has been really difficult, you're finding that it's kind of outside your zone of genius or whatever, people's energy levels will actually drop. You can kind of see the the begrudging way that they kind of talk about it. And it's clear that this is not a place of joy or inspiration. And that's not to say that we always get to do what brings us joy and inspiration every single day, right? There are like those those tasks that we all have to complete that aren't necessarily fun. But it's helping the creative tap into the things that do bring them joy, which do raise their vibration and their energy pretty high. And then using that state of being kind of high to do the things that they don't necessarily have love, but still have to do, or getting rid of things that they don't love and they don't have to do. And helping them find a better kind of balance between the things that allow them to be their full creative force and the things that are kind of keeping them away from their creativity. So can we delegate certain things? Can we bring in someone who does find joy in what we find mundane or whatever it is? And so the sessions that I do are usually an hour. And it's funny because when I first started, I was like, okay, we're going to talk about people's work. I'm going to look at maybe some of their, their creative works and say, oh, this is the matching the energy that you're trying to create. I think people will really be energized in the way that you're expecting from this kind of thing. But what it turned out to be is a lot of that, but also a lot of people talking about their familial relationships, talking about their sexual relationships talking about their coworkers or the way their businesses are set up. And that's beautiful too, because we really don't separate our creative work life from the rest of our life. It all feeds into it. So if we have a poor relationship with a relative that we see all the time, that is always going to impact our energy. And anytime we're working creatively throughout the day and that kind of relationship or the, the energy of that relationship is hanging over us, it really just cuts into what we can do. So finding ways to kind of resolve those things. And, and a big one is like people's relationship with money, right? That impacts your creativity too. If you're taking jobs that you feel you have to in order to pay the bills, a lot of times that hurts your creativity. So how do we kind of work within these, these things to come back to a place where you're feeling very inspired in the work that you do? That is so needed and so beautiful as well. As we just go through the motions without realizing how things affect us. And I work with so many people that they are trying and striving to get certain results or even just clarity about the right thing to do. 
but because there is all this noise and all this negative energy around them, it's really hard for them to just listen to the intuition. And of course, it's also hard to trust your intuition because if it's telling you to quit your job, but you agree to pay, then it can be hard to actually take that leap of faith. So have you experienced this? And if so, how do you guide people through that? Yeah, exactly. It is. I have probably experienced that as well. We're getting this calling to do certain things and it's like, but <laughs> I also don't want to lose my house or whatever it is. Right? Yeah. So it it can be difficult to kind of get into that place of trust. But I think in the same way that you're cultivating that relationship with your intuition, you have to kind of cultivate that relationship with trust. And it starts small as well, right? So maybe it's the next time a client comes to you, taking a day or so to think about and not really think, right? Use our intuition, kind of move away from our mind, but consider, is this client actually right for me, right? Do they glow? Do I hear that they're a good choice? Do I feel good about working with them? One client generally is not going to make or break your business, right? If you're at a place where you're worried about, oh, I need to go a different direction, usually one client is not going to be the, the thing that says yes or no, you can or you can't. So using that in small doses, maybe it's just, does this person feel good to hire, right? If I'm at the point in my business where maybe I can get rid of some administrative tasks that I don't want, I want to get like a VA or an assistant of some kind, going through the process of trusting your intuition to tell you which candidate is the best. Do I feel good about this person? Or is there this like nagging feeling that even though their resume is perfect, even though they answer the questions all the right way, I'm just not feeling that connection. So it's kind of building that that trust in the intuition. And that kind of feeds into having more trust in a lot of areas. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to touch briefly on what you said, that both me and you have these callings. It's not just to pursue something because I know that you started out as a freelance writer. Now you're having creatives within the intuition, you're using tarot, meditation, now you're moving to sexuality. So I'm curious to know what the progression was like for you. Was there a moment when you were just feeling, oh, I have all these interests and I don't know how to fit them together? Or was just a natural progression for you to to just do all of these things in their own time? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. It was not a natural progression, <laughs> I will tell you. But I had gotten to the point in my freelance writing career where I was just having a lot of experiences where I wasn't having fun anymore. I, I didn't like writing for other people anymore. It felt like I was getting a lot of people who hired me, but didn't trust me with my voice or those kinds of things. And after 10 years of doing this work, for the first time ever, I started to have clients who like didn't want to pay me. I would send the invoices and I would run into having to fight them to pay me what I was owed. And I took that kind of as a little bit of a sign that for the first time I was running into all this resistance that I hadn't had for a really long time. And it got me thinking, I just really don't like working for other people. I don't like other people telling me what to write anymore. So kind of 
that calling to be like, hey, quit your job, but I also have bills to pay. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm going to slowly phase out the projects I really don't like anymore, or the ones that are taking out so much time that I'm not even allowing myself to explore otherwise. But at the same time, as I was freelance writing, I also went through more than 500 hours of yoga teacher training. So I would teach yoga on the side. I had gotten into tarot first in high school, but kind of revisited it in a big way during the pandemic and started to find that what I was hearing intuitively through the tarot was really resonating with people. So that became kind of something that I started doing in addition to the writing that I was still doing. And then from there, I realized that there was this great opportunity to work with creatives like myself using the tools of tarot and just kind of understanding energy. And so being a highly intuitive person, someone who has built her intuition over a long time, I thought that it would be beneficial to kind of offer these services to creatives, which which do include some tarot as well, because that helps guide the session, just allowing me to kind of get an overall view of what the person is feeling or what's kind of going on. So I was doing that for a while and I still do, but it's kind of been slow. So I was in my bathtub (laughs) probably like a month and a half ago. And I was like feeling a little discouraged. Maybe I'm just making a lot of wrong choices lately. I feel a little lost and disconnected. So I'm sitting in my bathtub and for, for those who don't know, a lot of times being around water is a great way to kind of boost intuition. You can hear a little bit more clearly when you're around water, which is why you get great ideas in the shower, for example. So I'm in this bathtub and I'm like, okay, Carly, what do you really want to do? What do you really want to write about? And the answer that came through was you want to write about sex and sexuality. And it was surprising, right? I hadn't really thought about that. I have no expertise in this field, right? Other than I'm a woman who has had sex. And that's the thing that I've learned about intuition is that like 90% of the time, it's really surprising. It comes out of nowhere. And that's why you can trust it because it's not something you would have thought of. Like your brain would have tried to shut it down pretty quickly. So having that kind of epiphany in the bathtub I was like, okay, let's dive in. And and it's been a joy, right? I get excited every week to send out the newsletter. I'm having great conversations with people like you and doing different podcasts and having different interviews with people who are doing work in the sexual kind of field and world. So it's been really rewarding. And that's kind of the thing that was missing from that freelance work when I started to kind of look elsewhere was the synchronicities weren't lining up, the projects weren't coming through. And now it feels like I'm on a good path where people are kind of coming out of the woodwork to have these conversations and kind of put this work forward. So yeah, it was it was definitely a lot of trial and error and a lot of just confusion and sometimes frustration, right? But trying to trust the process throughout that all. I love that. And I can see the passion and the joy just shining through your voice and your face right now. So I'm really glad that you followed your intuitive nudge. And you also mentioned that your intuition is so surprised that your mind would 
shut it down, which is what I experienced myself. My clients are experiencing it so many times. I read in sessions where clients were telling me exactly what they wanted to do and then starting saying all the reasons why they couldn't. The mind was coming in and telling them, this is a crazy idea. You're not experienced enough or whatever it is. So how do you shut down the mind so that you can listen to your intuition? One of the teachers that I follow, her name is Marie Manucheri. And so a lot of the, the things about kind of sitting in your lower body, those come from her and her work. And she's a very, she's a psychic. She kind of has this amazing ability to intuit what people really need to hear and what they really need to do. But what she says about the mind that I think is really helpful to know is that the, the voice of fear or anything that's like really intense is almost always your mind, right? Your intuition doesn't speak through fear. Your intuition doesn't even speak through excitement. Your intuition is always calm, always steady. It's like this inner voice that is un, unpressed, right, by any direction you could go. So your intuition will always be calm. So anytime you're hearing a voice is like, what about this? Or it's very loud and very angry and very scared. That is your mind. And so one of the techniques that she preaches that I use all the time is when my mind comes up with something fearful, I say, leave it like you're talking to a dog, right? Drop the thought, leave it alone. And you can say, stop, you can stay whatever. But when I find I'm kind of like ruminating on the past or focusing on a future scenario that hasn't happened and is not helpful, that's one of those things. So the more you kind of tell your mind to leave it or to stop, it kind of stops having those thoughts over and over again, or it knows that you're going to shut it down so fast that you stop kind of listening to that chatter. And that gives you more space for your mind to be quiet and your intuition to speak a little bit louder. Oh, that's amazing advice. Is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you would like to talk about before we wrap up? Ooh, I think this was such a wonderful conversation, Jordan. So thank you so much. I appreciated every moment of having this discussion. I think we talked about so many things that we probably covered it. But the, the biggest thing that I, I think I would end on is just saying that once you start to come to cultivate that relationship with your intuition, and you start to give it a lot more trust and allow it to run your life a little bit more than letting your mind run your life. Amazing thing, amazing things happen. So it's the scariest thing is just getting to that point where you can do it. But taking those little baby steps, you start to get validation, you start to feel a little bit more confident. And then all of a sudden, you realize that you've been living wrong this whole time. <laughs> but there's no going back, right? Now you now you know where you're going and you kind of just allow that force to drive you forward. Oh, that's a beautiful place to end. And for anyone that is ready to go deeper with this work and to also both with the intuition, the creativity work, and also they want to explore their sexuality more and heal that, where can they find you? 
I have a couple of websites. The first is cupofsugaragency.com. And that is where I do all my tarot and creative work. So people can find me there, read some of the blog posts about tarot and intuition and creativity and reach out through the website. And then if you're interested in the newsletter, that is Yes Mistrix and Mistrix is M-I-S-S-T-R-I-X, basically a a mix of mistress and dominatrix, but yesmistrix.substack.com. And there they can read old posts and sign up for the newsletter. And you can always kind of respond to me through there. So those are the best kind of places to find me. Thank you for sharing. We're going to put all the links in the show notes below. And I encourage everyone to check them out because Everything we talked about today, intuition, tarot, sexuality, it all plays a part in having your best creative life, successful business, and your dream life. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Carly, and for sharing your wisdom with us. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. It was a complete pleasure to have this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Treasures Within podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you found even one small nugget here to help you get out of your own way and build a successful business, share this episode with a friend or two so they can benefit from it too. Please follow this show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating and a review. Believe it or not, every little action really does help to get the podcast found by other female entrepreneurs who need to hear this message too. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye for now.